Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 480 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Saturday, January 21st, 2023, and Duke has a victory over the Miami Hurricanes. It was a 68-66 to victory in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Jeremy Roach is back, and I don't know if he's better than ever, but he is certainly back for the Blue Devils. We have to talk about this big win for Duke. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. I'm joined, as always, by Donald Wine and Jason Evans. Jason, good afternoon, sir. How are you on this Saturday afternoon? Uh, I'm happy to be talking about another Blue Devil victory. And, uh, you know, it's easy, I think, sometimes to think that Jeremy Roach isn't that important of a player. I think we've seen lately that is not the case. He is a very important player and uh, was definitely one of the stars of this game. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for healing Jeremy Roach. Donald Wine is also here. Donald, how are you feeling today? Oh, that was a that was a great win. I mean, just I I know we'll talk about it, but just uh, again, a tough victory uh, against a tough team, and it it felt like a really big game in the sense of the season. And for us to come out victorious, like, makes me super happy. Before we talk about the game, uh, we need to address, I think, the the news or or somewhat lack of news that we've gotten uh, in the last day about Duke Basketball Report podcast, the program that you are listening to right at this moment. So maybe you were up on this news yesterday on Twitter or elsewhere out in the in the world of media, but uh, Vox Media the parent company of SB Nation, the parent company of Duke Basketball Report, the brand to which we, the three of us, report for this podcast, uh, decided to uh, do some layoffs this week, including some of their contractors, of which all three of us are. So it is not clear at this exact moment what the status of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is. However, Donald, can you fill us in on what you heard yesterday from Vox? Yeah, so... Yesterday morning, uh, it was probably late in the morning, about about 1030, 11 o'clock in the morning, I received an email. And now for those of you out there who know I do work on the soccer side, I am the manager of Stars and Stripes FC, the website, and I also host the podcast for that site. So I, I have a double dip situation where I'm kind of involved in two podcasts on the same parent company. And so I got an email saying that due to the, quote, economic climate that they were scaling back their operations in a lot of different communities and including many of 
the podcast and it it was a generic email and they said your podcast is one of them um and so this email was basically from the SB Nation publisher and it was sent to himself and they BCC'd everyone who was supposed to have received it I, I say that and we'll talk about that part in a second but um for me it creates confusion because I am a part of two podcasts on the same network so I responded back with hey which podcast are you referring to? And the answer that I received back from the publisher was that Duke Basketball Report, as well as Stars and Stripes OC, were both going to be uh, affected by this and that they would be uh, ending, or at least the support uh, by SB Nation would end on February 28th. Now, I say that everyone was supposed to have gotten this email. Uh, it turns out, as we kind of gathered information about the day, that I was the only one of these three who received this email, which is which creates the confusion, at least for our part, because as as we list who is supposed to be on this show, uh, Jason filled out the paperwork. So he was listed as lead contributor. Sam and I were listed as contributors. Jason should have received the same email that I did, um, but he did not. So um, while I, I say that to say, I mean, it was very clear from the response that I got that this program was one of the podcasts that was hit by these cuts. Uh, we are unclear as to what it means uh, from an SB Nation standpoint now. Uh, and I, I think the other two will agree with me when I say this, that this program is not done. We are not cut ceasing operations or anything as of February 28th. It just means that on come February 28th, we may have to be doing this show in a different direction. Um, and we that's the information that we kind of have right now. Um, and yeah, as we move so, forward, we're going to get some get some more information and we'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, Jason. Yeah. So it's worth noting. We, we've reached out to them again to say, can you clarify things? We're a little confused about this. The the, the Duke Basketball Report podcast, the DBR podcast is one of I think we're like second or third among all college sports podcasts. We're far and away, like not even close. We're far and away the biggest college basketball podcast in the SB Nation family. And we know that they are keeping some podcasts and it's at least a little bit surprising if they're keeping some that we wouldn't be in that list, but we haven't heard anything. Yes. Donald heard. No, it's kind of strange that it didn't come to me because I'm there. Usually when they reach out about anything, they reach out to me. So it's all kind of a weird mystery and we're trying to figure it out. But again, to reiterate bottom line, no matter what, if you skipped a little bit, I want you to make sure you get this part. We're not going away no matter what. If they stop supporting us, we will take this someplace else. We'll find support somewhere all else. Of you, I assure all of you, you will be able to find us and we will continue to be a part of your Duke basketball fandom. We would not give it up for the world. And as far as we know, all of the notices that went out from Vox to uh, not just podcast contributors, but as Donald mentioned, other site owners across SB Nation, all of those messages indicated that Support will end from Vox uh, at uh, on February 28th. So this is not a this week thing. This is not a today thing. So it seems like if anything's going to happen to us, it, it is unlikely to happen before February 28th, which means for you, the listener, this is all sort of your behind the scenes. Look at what's what we've been trying to figure out for the last day and a half. What does this mean for you, the listener? This feed will continue to have the Duke Basketball Report podcast, including the bites through February 28th. We can guarantee that, or, you know, as much as anyone can guarantee anything, right? After February 28th, 
You may have to resubscribe to us somewhere else. You may not. We will update you before then about what is going on, and we will tell you how to continue following the three of us wherever we exist out on the internet. And just for one, just to finally reiterate Jason's reiteration of my iteration, um, this podcast, as we all know, was started back in 2014. It was started we here well before, before, <laughs> well before uh, the site joined uh, the SB Nation network. Uh, and even if this is the end of us on the SB Nation network, it is still not going to be the end. We we cannot let we have outlasted uh, so many other podcasts, so many other sites. We we will not be going anywhere because again, we start out doing this for fun, and now we make enough money for each of us to Uber to a dinner um, a couple of times a month. Like that, <laughs> we're we're not doing this for much for for much at all. It, it's really. Uh, by the community that you all out there have helped us build um, with this podcast. So uh, because of that, and, and let's be clear, it's March Madness coming up. You think they're going to let us go before March Madness? You think we're just going to stop? Absolutely not. Yo, let's get to the game, guys. Let's get yes. to the games. Let's let's talk about the game, and we we will certainly update you if there's if there's more news on this front, you know, in the coming weeks. But as I mentioned, Duke sixty eight, Miami sixty six. This was a tight one all the way through. I think the greatest margin in this game was like Duke by eight. Uh, it, it it never it never got too out of hand. Miami made a comeback in the second half there to make it close again. So it was a tight affair. But I think the highlight, at least for me, was that Jeremy Roach was back. Guys, let's start with headlines. Donald, I will let you go first. What is your headline from this game? I got Band of Brothers, Weather the Storm, and Tough Miami win. All right, we went with a storm one. Jason, what did you have? I got Roach returns, Blue Devils back in form. And I also uh, liked I, I liked one of our listener suggestions from Ken Swanner that is very similar to the one that Jason just shared. So I'm going to take Ken's, which is Captain Roach back on deck as Duke weathers the hurricane. So we we got Captain Roach in there in the middle of the hurricane. So guys, let's start with Jeremy Roach, maybe because he's back in action for Duke. He's been away for a few games. Uh, don't worry, we will be getting to how cool Jalen Blakes' face mask looked in this one. But Jason, talk to me about your impression of Jeremy Roach upon his return from injury. He did not start, but he played a significant role. Yeah, we'd heard that, uh, that Jeremy Roach might come back for this game. We then heard, yeah, he's going to be available. And the presumption was that he would play, you know, he'd be on a, a limit minutes, a, a minute, a minute's limit. <laughs> he would be on limited minutes. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, and that he would play maybe 15, uh, perhaps 20 minutes. Turns out he plays 27, third most of anyone on the team. Look, I, I think maybe we'd forgotten about his shot making. I think maybe we'd forgotten how good it is to have a leader who is calm and cool and collected out there. I would like to point out that in my opinion, the absolutely most important moment of the game was when Miami cut it to two with about five minutes left. And Jeremy Roach immediately made a very difficult layup. And then a very mo moments later, he makes a good defensive play on Isaiah Wong, forcing an air ball. And then literally on the very next possession, he makes an incredibly unselfish pass. The defense comes to him. He passes to Tyrese Proctor on the wing for a wide open three that pushes Duke's lead back out to seven. Now, I want to be clear. I know that Miami cut closer as the, you know, in the final couple minutes and that this was a one possession game at the very end. I still think that sequence, those three plays back to back by Jeremy Roach, 
were the most important part of the game because it gave Duke the cushion that allowed Duke to hang on down the stretch. The difference in leading by two and leading by seven, pretty big, especially with a team that is young, a team that has struggled to hold on to leads. Look, we blew a, a late lead against Kansas. We blew a late lead against Clemson. We've seen it happen to this team a fair number of times. And having Jeremy Roach out there as healthy as he's been in probably a month was a very big deal. And man, by the way, I know you guys want to get in, but poor Miami. Remember the last time there was a experienced Duke player who had been hurt for a little while, who came back. They were like, oh, maybe they can play in this game. It'll be a home game. He'll play against Miami. It was Ryan Kelly who just, I mean, like, that's a legendary game. Jeremy Roach comes back in this game, his five of his first five shots, and it looked like he's going to have another Ryan Kelly kind of game. Uh, I feel sorry for Miami. Miami never wants to see the uh, player come off the injured reserve list for Duke ever again. And Jeremy Roach had some of the biggest highlights in this game. He had a few really nifty drives to the basket where he was dodging around and going through Miami players. And as you said, Jason, seemed like he was keeping everything uh, under control for John Shire. Shire mentioned at the at the break uh, how excited he was that that Jeremy Roach was playing that well. Donald, did you have anything else on Jeremy Roach or any other players that you wanted to highlight here in the good? Yeah, well, firstly on Jeremy Roach, Jason, you mentioned as we we came in, you're like, hey, he's playing better than he's ever played before. But honestly, we both we all know that it was he was playing better than he has, and he looked solid out there. And I think, uh, you know, the the four game break no, or he whatever looked, he looked healthy. That was the thing. Yeah, like, or, like it's easy to sorry, it's easy to say. Oh, he missed three games. That's not really true. He was not himself late in December. There's it, this has been nagging him for a while. Well, I was gonna say the rest did him well because remember he had a rest period during like December where he kind of missed the game and took ten days off. But it was clear that they not only were able to work on resting it, but also able to work on restrengthening it and getting it back to where he could you know, log some heavy minutes because I think the one place where he, you know, forget all the other stats, the one place that we needed him in this game was leadership. And it's not that we didn't have leaders on the floor, but this was an experienced veteran Miami team and has some guys that can, you know, we've seen over the years, like Isaiah Wong and, and Wuga Poplar. We've seen these guys over the years. And Jeremy Roach was one of the only guys on this, on this team that knew how to play them and knew how to, you know, play up on them. And I think, you know, him being in the game contributed to Isaiah Wong not having his best game, which is uh, kind of what did Miami in, especially down the stretch. Like these sort of little things were why we needed Jeremy Roach out there. And yes, Jason, I think the best part is, is besides leadership is, yes, he looked healthy doing it and he played healthy and he was able to do some things. My favorite play, uh, spoiler alert, involved Jeremy Roach on a play that actually didn't happen. But it showed me that how like how healed he was, at least at this point, from the injury and from the toe and hopefully not like from this, it's a baseline to get better. Cause you know, we have a game in less than, you know, a little over 48 hours. He's going to have to test it again. But I think this time around test pass with flying colors. Another guy who had a great game today, who's it feels like has been getting better the last few weeks. Uh, maybe Duke doesn't need him as crucially as they do when Jeremy Roach is out, but Tyrese Proctor, seems to be getting more into the flow, particularly on offense, where uh, he, he still misses a couple shots. But you guys tell me if you agree. Tyrese Proctor seems like his shot is is much more in rhythm. 
He's making threes where there were a couple threes he made today where he gets the pass. And I thought, oh, yeah, that one feels like it's going in, which is not something I've thought about Tyrese Proctor to this point in the season. He goes three for seven from three. But, uh, you know, I I think he'll have a a better game from three the rest of the way. But that's an an awesome performance from Proctor. Uh, Does a good job with the ball handling today. Only one turnover and has the ball in his hands. I'll I'll take fair amount. I'll take three for seven. I'll take three for seven from three any day for this Duke team. That's big. And I and like I said, I I think it'll get better from there. Not he won't he won't be better than that every night because that's still a pretty good percentage. But Tyrese Proctor looks like he is he is much more comfortable than uh, he was early in the season. Jason, I know you wanted to highlight Derek Lively, who also had an outstanding game for Duke. Guys, I got a question for you about Derek Lively. Does it count as a ten five and five game if you get a uh, ten rebounds? Six points and so, five blocks. That's a 10 so, game. So no, because at the beginning of the season, I asked this very question and y'all said no. So we're going to call it a five, 10, five game. That's what he did. He had a five, <laughs> 10, five, which means that we still haven't had one, right? We still haven't had one, but the wow. 10 has to be points is what we, is what we declared at the beginning of the season. I, uh, so we had a five, okay. 10, five. I do remember us saying that now, but I thought Derek Lively was outstanding in this game. And I want to remind you guys literally a week ago, when we were talking about Clemson, I said, I predicted, I said, Derek Lively's going to have 10 rebounds and five block shots. Actually, I said 10 points and five block shots in a game before the end of the of the month. Well, he had his five block shot game today. He almost got his 10. He only got six points. He probably should have had 10 points with all the gimmies that he missed <laughs> in, inside of two feet. Derek but- Lively going three for nine from the field is a really <laughs> tough look. Well, I- and by the way, uh, he went three for nine because there are at least a couple of possessions where he got three shots and he ended up making the third one. The first two missed and then he ended up making the third one. But regardless, his, his activity, uh, let's not talk about the offense because dude clearly still struggles to put the ball in the basket, even when he is almost unguarded from three or four feet. But his activity on defense, he makes loud block shots like his block shots are he has, a lot of miss, he has a lot of attempted block shots too. Yeah. <laughs> he had one where like he, you saw him just rush up and I think he like, it, it was one where he just slapped the backboard just a second too late and was just like, you, all you hear is Dah! Um, a lot of his, a lot of his, uh, his grunts on blocks make it where you just kind of go, Ooh, dang, like, come on, Derek, like be, be, be careful. Don't was don't it change. just me, Donald, or did it seem like they had the mics the ones that are on the basket, those oh, they were turned up. seemed yeah. like they were turned up today because like every dunk was pretty loud, which mm-hmm. also means that Derek Lively's activity is very loud. The dude is clearly a he's a defensive menace. And I wanted to note as well, I think I think it was the BC game. I don't remember which game it was. There's a game very, very recently. Maybe it was Clemson. Anyway, Duke had a possession or sorry, the opposing team had a possession in the final, you know, final minute, final 30 seconds where we left Ryan Young in the game. We talked about this in the podcast. We left Ryan Young in the game. We didn't bring Derek Lively in to play defense on what was clearly a defensive possession where there would be no offensive possession afterwards. You know, someone was going to get like that at the very least. And and I said, I was at, at the time I was like, if Derek Lively can't even help you on defense on a possession like that, then you have to start to question, okay, what's he contributing well in this game they had a possession Miami has a possession with less than 20 seconds left and 
John Shire looked down the bench and pointed to Derek Lively and was like, get in there for Ryan Young. And Shire was playing a little bit of offense defense with Ryan Young and Derek Lively. That that's an advancement for Derek Lively. That is more than what he has been doing lately. And I noticed, by the way, in this game, very early in the second half, that that they brought Ryan Young out and Lively came in and Lively stayed in for a long stretch of the game. I have not, we're recording this so close to game time that I, I haven't seen the plus minus. I think that Derek Lively's plus minus, we've talked about this. His plus minus has been really good lately. This is going to be, I guarantee you, this is going to be another game where Derek Lively has an impressive plus minus. It's starting to, like Duke is maybe, maybe a better team with him on the floor than when he's not on the floor, which is a big change from where Derek Lively was earlier in the season. Jason, Derek Lively's plus minus. You ready for this? Hit me. This, so, so sometimes stats do not tell the story. His plus minus was zero, and I don't, th- I don't think it should be like that's, how, how. I don't know. Yeah, he, his plus minus was zero. I'm surprised at that. Yeah, I mean the plus minus of the game was only two. So, but still, to true. your point, he he did seem very active today. We hope that that he continues on that trajectory. The other player, of course, I think that I need to shout out today is Kyle Filipowski, who continues just to be an absolute menace. Again, doesn't have his best shooting day. He's only five for 12 from the field, but he made a big three and uh, was key down the stretch for Duke, both in terms of hitting shots, but also going after the ball and drawing contact and sort of doing all of the hustle things that Duke needed to win. He didn't make all the free throws that that we needed him to make at the end. And and uh, maybe we'll talk in the bad a little bit about missing uh, crucial free throws that almost resulted in disaster. But Ooh, Kyle, that wasn't on Lively. That wasn't on Lively. That was uh, on, no, no, Filipowski and, and Roach. I mean, sorry, it wasn't on Filipowski. Yeah, I, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I didn't think he missed. In fact, he made two key free throws down the stretch. He did, yeah. It so, was Roach and Proctor who missed big, big free throws. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. but not perfect in the way that <laughs> the way yeah. that he, he usually yeah. is. So uh, a pretty pretty awesome return to form for Filipowski. It, it, it feels so ho-hum at this point, but he pulled down 14 rebounds today. You how, know, how, like, can a, how can a dude do a 17 and 14 and us not like immediately lead the podcast? We with... weren't like, oh my God, Kyle <laughs> Filipowski, what a monster. Maybe if, he, maybe if he gets 20 rebounds, maybe we'll talk about him first, Jason. Uh, dude, he's got a... T- I, 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 I'll do another bold prediction before the season's done. I think he's got a 2020 game in him, which is just absurd. It's 20 like rebounds is a lot, like especially on a team where Duke really has three bigs who are capable of playing significant minutes. Like Ryan Young has maybe one of his worst games of the season, uh, you know, because he's he's only pulling down five rebounds today, only scores two points. Not that not that Duke needed as much from him, but. Yeah, it, it's hard for Filipowski to just be in there long enough and to get enough touches to get 20 rebounds. So, you know, Jason, I'll take you up on the bet. I don't think Kyle Filipowski is having a 20 rebound game this season. I think that's a I think it's a lot. Uh, Donald, I'd did you have it. anything else great. in the good that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, the ball movement I thought was terrific to, uh, this afternoon. 19 assists on 25 made baskets. Gra- Jake Grandison had six of them. Um, and every it felt like everyone had a, had an assist. I don't know if that's the case from the stats, but it felt like everyone was able to get other people involved on a on a made basket. So Mark uh, that... Mark Mitch Mark Mitchell and Derek Lively are the two players assists. Everyone else has an assist. Okay, so yeah, I, and I think that's fair, right? Because Derek Lively is not called on to pass the ball. Uh, he gets the ball inside of a foot, so he needs to shoot it. Um, but I, I think when it comes to moving the basketball, that's something that's kind of lagged a little bit lately. We haven't had 
a lot of assists lately. In fact, I, I think was it last weekend against Clemson, we only had like nine assists. Now we have 19. So I, I think those moving the basketball around was something that I knew was going to be necessary for us to play well. And again, you know, we we mentioned some of the some of the shots that we've missed before. We shot 42% from three-point land today. One of the best outputs we've had this season. So, Jason, you were talking about last game against Clemson where we could have had more assists because guys were missing open three-pointers. We made some of those today, and I think some of those were the difference down the stretch. So, so regarding the ball movement, yeah, it was crisper, more confident than we've seen. There was a sequence in the first half that I adored. Tyrese Proctor was open on the on the wing, and the defense came to him, and so he realized Jacob Grandison had a better shot. And so he passed down to Grandison in the corner and the defense credit to Miami adjusted beautifully and went after Grandison and Grandison immediately flipped it back to Proctor who buried the three pointer. It was the kind of exterior perimeter passing that, that just shows guys feeling really comfortable with themselves and good awareness of where players are supposed to be. Say so Jason, there was a lot more, uh, you mentioned the, the play between Grandison and, uh, and Proctor, there's a lot more skip passes as well. A lot of times where guys were on opposite wings and flashing it to the opposite corner. Uh, Jacob Grinson, I believe, had a three from the corner um, and you know, where he was just kind of chilling there in the cut and, you know, everyone was loaded up on one side and we were able to find him on the other side. Proctor, I think, had another shot. I don't think that was a three-pointer, but at least we got a basket out of it where he made a skip pass and was able, you know, someone was able to drive the lane and get two points. So I, I think those the skip passes is funny, right? Because in Cameron, it feels like it's more compact because of how small Cameron is. You go to like an NBA court, you feel like there's all the room in the world and you don't see the skip passes the way you do, uh, the, like you did this afternoon in Cameron. So uh, good on them to get the ball moving around and really hopefully helps that confidence and trying to find each other to make baskets. Spoiler alert, a skip pass will be my favorite play later on. There we go. The interesting thing to me is that it wasn't like it was Jeremy Roach initiating all of that. Like Roach didn't have to be on the court for all of that good passing to happen. It just feels like all of a sudden, as you as you guys mentioned, Proctor and Grandison, all these guys all of a sudden were like, oh, we're 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 playing offense with each other. Great. Let, let's do that. And And I don't know if it was the days off where John Shire was like, guys, we're installing some some uh, offensive sets here that we just have we haven't gotten to yet this season but it it felt great let's take a quick break and we will be back to talk about the bad of course there are still things that that duke needs to improve on uh from this game and and certainly looking ahead there are some tough ones coming up we also need to recap the week with our player of the week and give you our play of the game so stick around This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings... Increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp 
is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. We are back and we are talking about the bad. Donald, I want you to start us off. Duke has not quite turned the corner on having like an efficient game from the field. Uh, 40% of their field goals made overall a, a pretty decent showing from three, 42% from three, which means that the two-point shooting today was abysmal for Duke. Jason already mentioned that Derek Lively missed a few bunnies, but he was not the only one. What was going on out there? I don't know, actually. And it, it's weird because a lot of times we were in good positions to make some of these layups. And I, I remember, um, you know, Derek Whitehead had a had a play where he drove the lane. He was able to get wide open and he did everything great and then kind of tried to do like a floater that was supposed to bank in and he just didn't float it right. So it, it banked off the rim for for a miss. And there's a couple of guys and you mentioned kind of the bunnies inside. There's a lot of misses from inside of like five feet. And I think uh, that's just it, it's, it's a combination of like concentration, like rushing the shot and and just, you know, not focusing on putting the ball in the basket or and also sometimes it's hesitation. Sometimes you're you're in that, especially I can't speak for seven footers, but there are times where you see seven footers kind of go up and you they have this look in their face as if to say, I could lay this in or I could dunk it but they're trying to figure it out on the way up. And that's not the time you're supposed to figure that out. You're supposed to do that before you jump because then you either dunk it hard or you lay it in off the glass. And it felt like a lot of times they were hesitating and that split second of hesitation is what caused them to miss some of these bunnies. I was disappointed because with 10 minutes left in this game, Duke was up by eight and it felt like a lot of the momentum had swung towards the Blue Devils and we were going to get you know, a, a good... Cameron Indoor Stadium 20-point victory for Duke where they look dominant. And against a Miami team that currently is ranked that came in, I, I don't think Miami was favored in this game, but certainly came in feeling a little good about themselves. And I thought Duke was going to 
end up running away with this. And then all of a sudden, as you mentioned, Donald, Duke just starts missing these these easy shots. And Miami is able to close the gap all the way down to two very quickly. And so what turned into a game where Miami had a chance at a last shot to win this game, technically. Yeah. Uh, Duke was Duke was up and and in control midway through the second half. And and a lot of that I think is owed to Duke not being able to to hit those easy shots because it's not like all of a sudden Miami turned into a scoring machine. There were a couple guys from Miami today who were really feeling their shots, but overall it's not like the Miami offense was so efficient. They did manage to pull down some offensive rebounds. They did manage to sort of claw back, but the Miami offense was by no means a juggernaut this afternoon. Yeah. By the way, you know, we probably should have covered this in the good. You know, we talked about Duke, you know, about Derek Lively blocking five shots. Duke has eight block shots in this game, which is a pretty good number. Did you guys see what Miami's two point field goal percentage was? They were no. 12, they were 12 of 42, 28% on two point field goals. So Duke did an incredible job inside the three point arc of, of bothering Miami, forcing them into difficult shots. But Jason, that Jason, that's that's keeping in mind that remember Miami was one of the top ten, you know, teams in the country in offensive efficiency, and yeah. they have a guy uh, in in uh, in the paint um, who was making like sixty seven percent of his shots. Like they were inside the paint or something like that. They were like sixty seven percent, and they were hitting twenty eight percent today. That's pretty good defense. Okay, but to take it back to the bad, it, it is worth noting. If you look at Ken Palm, the average Division One team hits right at 50% of their two-point field goals. That's right on 50%. So if you want to be above average, and again, this is every team in Division One, and if you're a good team, you need to be above average at a lot of things. If you want to be above average, you have to hit more than half your shots, half your two-point shots. Gentlemen, do you know how many Duke players in this game hit more than half of their two-point field goals? The answer is one. Jeremy Roach is the only guy. Roach was five of seven on two-point field goals. The only guy on the team to hit more than half of his two-point shots. We already mentioned Derek Lively was three of nine. Tyrese, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Derek Whitehead was one of six. Mark Mitchell was one of four. This is on two-point shots. Duke, Duke's just got to get better. A team that plays inside out. We like to go inside so that it opens outside. And that's not going to work unless we're hitting our two-point shots. We already mentioned earlier on that Ryan Young you know, just didn't seem to do very much at all in this game. It was very strange. It was like Ryan Young reverting back to, I don't know, a month and a half ago or something like that, at least. I'm not sure. This may have been his worst game of the entire year. And and like I said, Whitehead and Mitchell, I thought, struggled a lot. Uh, they, they I don't think they were particularly good on defense. And they were they were net negatives on, on offense, even though Dariq Whitehead hit that absurd 40-footer which ended up being the difference in the game, by the way, <laughs> that, that buzzer, that buzzer beater from half court is the reason it, it technically the reason that Duke won this game. So Jason, you mentioned that the two point average for the country is right around 50% and you want to be a little bit higher than that. Keep in mind that most teams who are pretty considered pretty efficient from offense are hitting closer to 60% of their two point buckets. But if you think about what is considered to be, you know, inefficient shooting, person right or shoot a player it's 50 percent from the floor 40 percent from three and 90 percent from the free throw line yeah. and we've demonstrated we can shoot the ball well from the free throw line as a team we normally do that we we normally don't have issues with that 
And if you're going to not shoot 40% from three, if you're going to shoot less than that, that means you have to uptick it on the two points so that you can still get around 50% from the floor at, in general. And we're not getting close to that. And a lot of it is because, yeah, we, I mean, again, this is a day where we actually shot pretty well from three, but the bunnies inside were just frustrating because as you, as you both mentioned, we had a late, we had a big lead. Uh, we had built a lead through the fact that we were hitting three pointers and that we were getting to the line and free throws. And then the missed bunnies let Miami creep back into it. You know, the other bad that I had, I did want to mention this Duke team does seem to struggle to close out teams. We had, we had numerous opportunities to, if not slam the door, at least gently shut it in Miami's face. And, you know, Donald, you mentioned the missed free throws, the missed front ends of one and ones in the final minute. I mean, those will make you tear your hair out. And honestly, that possession that Miami had with like, you know, like 30 seconds left or less than 30 seconds left where they got like four shots. A couple of them, they were very they were getting. They ended up not hitting any of them. And Duke ended up getting the rebound and and that preserved the win. But that was a possession where they were they were only down two. And Duke needed to get a rebound. When Miami missed, we needed to get a rebound. And Miami kept on getting offensive rebounds. I, I was I was not in a good place. <laughs> Let's just put it that way as, as that was going down. The offensive rebounding for Miami was good. The defensive rebounding for Duke was bad. But the defense for Duke was good because it felt like Duke wasn't rattled by the fact that, that Miami kept getting the ball back because they kept recovering to play defense and trying to get the ball. Yes. So yes. It, it's a it's a weird sequence to watch that Duke ends up coming out on top on. But as you mentioned, Jason, because rebounding has been such a strength for Duke this season, it felt weird that that was almost the thing that doomed the Blue Devils this afternoon. Yeah, and it's worth noting that on the game, on the whole, we had a good rebounding game. I mean, Miami ends up with 38 rebounds and Duke ends up with with 44, which is, you know, we 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 topped them fairly easily in rebound. We, we grabbed almost 40% of our misses. Our offensive rebounding, once again, was one of the strengths of this team. But yeah, that... The, those moments down the stretch and and it's it's been a problem for this duke team repeatedly i, I don't need to belabor it but closing out games is a place where this team uh, we would we should honestly probably have one or at least one or two more victories on the season if we closed out the final three or four minutes of games better than we have if i wanted to mention one more bad and i think it may be more injury related than anything but jalen blake's also was mostly absent from this game, probably because he's playing with a, a very cool face mask, but playing with a face mask for the first time because of his nose injury from from a few days ago in practice. But uh, I, I hope that Blake's is sort of back to full strength at some point soon. We haven't seen Duke at full strength yet this season. We don't know what it's like when Jalen Blake's is on the floor with Jeremy Roach, both feeling healthy. We haven't we haven't seen that in a while. And especially with Tyrese Proctor's offense coming on, it feels like the team could be able to turn a corner once everyone is healthy again. Uh, Jalen Blake's had five minutes on the floor. He did not attempt a shot, did not follow anyone. He still managed to get an assist and a plus seven <laughs> rating. Like, like how he, did, I mean, literally, I think he touched the ball once and that was the assist. Like that's all he yeah, did. He was, he was one assist from a five trillion, but it, it, I, I think the one thing, is I think over the next couple of days, they mentioned on the broadcast that they could have done a surgery to kind of set his nose and fix his nose. And he said, uh, they said if, if he had done that, he wouldn't be able to get the mask in time. He said, yo, just just snap it back on a place, put the mask on me, and then we'll figure out 
like about fully fixed in it later. So you may see him with the mask on for a few days as he gets that uh gets that nose fully fixed. Real psycho stuff to yeah to, to yeah. take that approach. Yo. Just hey guys, for the record. If, if I break my nose, don't like slap me in the nose until I fix it. Don't put a mask on me like that. Like super I can wait. super weird. I, I I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Guys, can we do our plays of the game from this one? I I don't want to belabor the bad too much. So Jason, give me your play of the game, and then we're going to do players of the week after this. I mean, it's easy. There there are a lot of huge plays down the stretch, and it feels weird to have your play of the game come from very very early on. But my favorite play. Just under 17 minutes left in the first half. We showed great patience and ball movement. Dariq Whitehead got the ball on the wing. He looked inside and and there, Ryan Young was down there. And Ryan Young had like this gravitational pull. Like everybody on the Miami team was sure Dariq Whitehead was going to dump the ball into Ryan Young. And you saw all of them like begin to edge in that direction. Instead, Dariq Whitehead seeing that it was clogged up down there, threw the ball cross court to a cutting Kyle Filipowski, who had a vicious slam dunk, wide open, very easy slam dunk. I thought it was just great awareness. It showed, again, and we've talked about this, it showed the team recognizing where they need to move, where they need to be, and how to get into the right places. Um, it's something we haven't seen a ton of from Duke. And and I I, I immediately identified that play. I was like, something's going to have to be really great to knock that off from my favorite play. And it stayed there till the end of the game. So mine is uh again it was a non play um but I thought it was it was interesting um so Roach uh in the second half he had the ball close to the corner but not quite fully in the corner and he was by the Duke bench and he started to make this move to basically jab step past his defender and his defender bit on it so he did basically a a, a spin move that I'm talking like if we we're on a if we were in a court in the gym like or on the court in like a pickup court on the on the street everybody would have run onto the court. Like he juked this dude out of his, his socks, ankles and shoes, except for the fact that in the process of doing this man fouled Roach. So, but at the same time, Roach, all of a sudden he turned and he did the spin move and all of a sudden was like, there's nobody here except for the basket. And he was able to lay it in, but of course they had called the foul well before that. So it didn't count. Uh, but it led me to believe that Jammer Roach is way better and way more healthy with his toe than he was about three weeks ago. And that gives me promise because him being able to do a move like that was something that he could do, but he didn't try to do early in the season, mainly because of how probably how injured and how hurt, how, how painful that toe was. But that shows me that he, at least for that moment, there was no pain. Um, and if he can pull off moves like that and get open, that's going to you know really boost everybody's uh, mojo uh, around there. Yeah, this is not apparently the Kyrie Irving situation where the thing is just going to linger and linger and we can't ever figure out how to get him back on the court. So I'm glad about that. Guys, you've given me the opportunity to take the ridiculous Tariq Whitehead nearly half-court bank shot uh, three-pointer with the shot clock Mm -hmm. expiring. And the only reason that I am taking it is for Tariq Whitehead's presence of mind after he made the shot to hang his head in shame that he had just (laughs) airballed the previous shot seven seconds earlier. So I want to applaud not just the 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 effort on getting the rebound and getting the ball back out to him. I think it was I think it was Filipowski that was like falling out of bounds to yeah. cover that missed shot. But the fact that Whitehead made it and then was like, I'm not going to celebrate this, even though that was cool, because I need to be embarrassed about the shot that I had taken previously. And Boy, I, he- and and not only that, I banked it in. So I really didn't earn this one. 
he missed that first three-pointer by a good three or four feet. That was like one of the worst misses of the entire game. Now, the shot clock was running down. There was kind of, you know, it was a desperation kind of shot, but the shot clock wasn't running down so much that there wasn't time for someone to grab a rebound, be falling out of bounds, throw it to half court, and him get off another shot. <laughs> it was like he missed that first shot bad. That's a, That is a classic, that's terrible, oh, wait, that's great in, in a span of like two seconds. Three. Three, I'm going to I'm gonna help you out here. Uh, everyone else, sarcasm, sarcasm meter is on, right? First shot was not a shot. It was a pass. He doesn't he doesn't miss shots th- by three <laughs> feet if he wasn't trying to pass someone underneath. So I'm going to let that slide. But also the the you know, the fact that he recognized that, yo, this pass didn't go where I wanted it to be. But so I'm going to hit this bank shot. It's called self-awareness. Man was like, hey, I, I can't really fully celebrate this. And what we call that in, in, in the scheme of life is growth. That man had some growth at this moment. He was like, hey, I made the shot, but I missed the one I was supposed to because I was trying to pass to my boy down front. And next time, I'm just going to hit this bank shot because the banks are always open on Saturdays. A mature reaction from the freshman. So, guys, let's move to our player of the week. It's one game. We only have to talk about the Miami game today. So, Donald, give me your player of the week for Duke's win against Miami. So... This is very difficult because a lot of guys I thought had some really good performances. I thought long and hard during the game, obviously, because we were recording shortly afterwards about Jeremy Roach. Um, But I can't overlook 17 and 14, so I'm going to give it to Flip. Guys, my player of the game is Jeremy Roach. I don't know. I'm not sure how you pick anybody but Jeremy Roach. Player of the week, player of the game, you name it. To come back from injury and and play that well, hit five, five of five, played good defense, moved the ball around really well. You know, and I, I talked earlier about that sequence he had where he hit that tough layup, played good defense and forced a, an air ball and then made a key pass to Tyrese Proctor uh, as the most important stretch of the game. Jeremy Roach, clearly player of the game, player of the week, player of the you name it. Jason, I'm with you. Uh, I have to go with Jeremy Roach for the way that he was able to return from injury with such a loud performance against Miami. So. That's it. We are going to be back very soon to preview Duke's next game. As Donald mentioned, it is a quick turnaround for Duke. They uh, are going to face Virginia Tech on Monday evening. That game is in Blacksburg, which is we all know is a tough place to play. So we're going to preview that in a separate episode on a DBR bite, as we have introduced. It's great. I love, guys, by the way, that we introduced DBR bites the same week that apparently like <laughs> everything is getting blown up at our at our parent company here. Like we're trying, we're trying new stuff. We're trying to innovate. We're, 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 we're taking things in a different direction and, and apparently they're not listening. So uh, we'll be back to discuss the Virginia tech game. We will be back to discuss anything related to uh, this potential change with the podcast, which by the way, for all of you out there, all of this might just end up being absolutely nothing because if we're still able to like post on this same feed, then we're just going to keep doing the show. Uh, and you know, maybe you'll, you'll hear some different ads or, or we may, we may bring back sponsorships or something, but, uh, it it may all just be a nothing burger to everybody who's listening to this. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for everything else. Email us dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we were able to get some headlines in for this one. I was able to read one on the air, which means that people are, are sending those headlines immediately after the game, because we are recording, uh, it it is like three 30 Eastern now as we're wrapping up. And the Duke game ended at like two o'clock. So we we got this one out, or at least we recorded right after this one ended. So thank you to everyone for sending us the headlines and your thoughts about the game. We will be back again soon for Jason Evans.
for Donald Wine. I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 480 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke Band, take us home.